Hello and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Samantha Rochefort, as usual, joined by Christina Warren, a senior tech Yay. correspondent at Mashable. How's it going, Christina? You know, I was not here last week. I know. Um, I don't even know who you are anymore. It was terrible. No, I, I, I listened to the show and it was actually kind of awesome because I'm really glad we did the host swap. A, yeah. I totally missed you guys like so much. <laughs> um, Wednesday nights is just not the same if I'm not with my girls, Brie and Simone. But I thought John was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He did really well. He it did really was, well. I thought he was awesome so cool. He was him. so great. And and um, it's funny too. I've seen. I was on ATP last week, and I've seen. I've had countless numbers of tweets from from people saying, "Oh, I've got to subscribe to Rocket now." So, mm-hmm. um, if if you are listening from the Accidental Tech Podcast, welcome. And uh, no, this was. I I missed you guys like whoa, but I'm really glad we did that. I thought that was a fun experiment. I was I was just gonna tell you, Christina. You know, like if it's anything we did, like we can change for you. <laughs> and... <laughs> Never leave us again. Please, no. Please no, don't I go. love my girls. <laughs> I, 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 I might, cho- I might choose John in the Zombie Apocalypse. What? Really? Really? Over Brie? Uh, yeah. I'm not even I mean, in the running. I know this, but over Brie? No, you're not in the running. I'm saying over me. <laughs> no, Brie obviously gets picked. I'm saying over <laughs> me. And the only reason I think that is that, like, John might, like, nitpick the, the zombies enough that they go, you know what? I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother. I've got the feistiness, but I think he could do like the slow game and totally win. It's a good balance. Ass. You guys, it's a shame you two weren't on a podcast together because you've yeah. had that. Well, there has been some talk about a quiz showdown <laughs> between Syracuse and Christina. <gasps> oh my God. So I would love to see that. Yes. Yeah, yeah I want to see it too. I will probably lose and I don't like to lose, but I probably will. Um, but if I'm going to lose to anyone, I would like to lose to John mm-hmm. Syracuse. Is that the kind of that. thing where we all prepare questions or do we just like boot up a Turing test and pass it on to them? I don't We're know. We're told an entity called the Quiz Master <laughs> might be working to make that happen. <gasps> all so right. we will just I have love to see. That's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat. How are you doing tonight? You know what? I'm sitting here with a pile of pixie sticks in front of me. Oh. So last week on Isometric during the show, I ordered uh, four pounds of pixie sticks. And I actually just did a whole martial arts workout before this. So I'm going <laughs> to ingest some pure sugar to get through this workout. Hold on. Like Christina did the podcast drunk. I'm going to do it high on sugar. I think so. that's what the, um, the doctors recommend. Four mm. out of five doctors recommend directly after they exercising. Do. Just pure sugar straight to the veins. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, it's sweet. It's so sweet. Oh. Oh, God, that's good. Okay. All right, let's do a show. Come on, let's go. Set me free. (laughs) So before the show started, we were talking about how I was going to go tonight to a children's birthday party, which is not on anymore. That sounds boring. It it, it does sound boring, except... No, it either sounds boring or creepy. Uh, yeah, actually, okay, okay. You know what? I mean, let's be honest because Don't you're judge young me. enough. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, I have to get this out. Look, if Brie and I went to a child's birthday party, we're old yeah. enough that it would be like yeah. our friend's like small child. Yeah, you're so young that it goes into like <laughs> creepy territory where we're like, yeah. why is Simone at a child's birthday party? What is happening what? here? And do we need to call the authorities because yes. this is not okay? Simone, are you giving someone the no feeling? Why do people say this about me? <laughs> no matter where I go, this is my reputation. This is what I have to contend with, the cross that I bear. Well, there is a video game truck that goes around. Like You can order it for your party, 
and there's games in the back of it, which also sounds like some creeper. I was going to say, trap. this does actually sound like a molestation <laughs> trap. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I hear this a, a truck that goes around with games in the back. This is children, yeah. come get in yeah, my kids, truck. Come on into the truck, play some games. Uh, I hear that it is very cool. So I was going to go attend this children's birthday party. <laughs> Don my child disguise, my eight-year-old disguise. Or maybe he was turning 10. I don't remember. Um, doesn't matter. And uh, film the children enjoying the truck. God, why? <laughs> filming children in oh the back God. of a van. Oh, oh I'm sorry, God. a truck. Playing Brianna, games. 50% of my job is filming Playing children. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. But yeah. We're going to get you a clown costume. Simone, Brianna? If you could just okay. wear your clown. Yeah. You're touching a very sensitive topic for me, which is clown rights. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm Uncle Magic. Only people in New York will get this. But there's this guy who's called Uncle Magic. And he, I do kids birthday parties. He sounds like Tracy Jordan from 30 Rock. (gasps) And and he talks about um, how he does like has. And what I've wanted to do for years, because I see these commercials on like public access, like they air them on regular cable TV or whatever, but they're clearly low quality. I want to like have Uncle Magic come <gasps> to my birthday party and bring all of his stuff. I think the guy would die, but I think it'd be amazing. I'm not no, going to do get it the though, truck because that would be and terrible. Uncle Magic, please. Yeah, truck. I, I need that. I need Uncle Magic and the truck. There was a Seattle clown called J.P. Patches who was very famous, and there's a street named after him. And yeah, that's that's my cl- uh, clowns, man. I can't get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go on to the show? I feel like I feel like we derailed the show and we're like five minutes. We did, in, but you know what? So, we, yeah. we derailed it, but it's amazing. I, it's always amazing. <laughs> I just I didn't you know, I guess it's I never thought of Simone as a, a child predator before. <laughs> that this is the title of the show now. No, Simone I was just about predator. to say that is not <laughs> Two against one. I think two against one. This is why I don't understand. You're on a, a podcast called Gaming with the Moms, but you're not a mom. I know. Unless I missed something. That uh, happened in as the last I said year. on the yeah. podcast, I am the mother of many anime children. I take <laughs> what does that care mean? Of- <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? No, what does that mean? And I thought you lusted after these anime children. I didn't oh my think you were god! A mom. Okay, there's a fine balance between lusting and sunning, and that's where the term boyfriend son comes in. <laughs> It, this is a very recent internet vernacular where when you love a character very much and you want to take care of them and protect them from all harm, you call them your son. And sometimes you look at a picture of them and you go, my son. And I don't know. Stuff happens, you guys. Don't judge. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if I need to be doing more pixie sticks right now or less pixie sticks. I probably, sticks. I'm really, yeah. I'm yeah, not I'm on pixie confused. sticks and that's the horrifying part. I'm tell part. you I'm not judging, but okay. I am judging. Yeah. Because this whole yeah. mother, this whole like, like, like sunning, like boy, like boyfriend son thing is weird. Yeah. Thank you. Because I knew that you like lusted after them and loved them. And I get that like totally. <gasps> the wanting to be their mom's thing, I I guess because I don't have any maternal instincts myself. I'm like, I don't get it at all. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't, I, real children, I have zero maternal instincts. Um, but I don't know. The animated ones gotta, gotta take care of those, those, those kids. They need my help. 
I'm going to get fired from this show. <laughs> I'm going to no, lose all the respect. No, not until the court case goes through. Please, the same. Christine and I will have a no because a we need because yes. we need you to we need the the anime characters to to show on their cell animation where where they were touched. <laughs> Okay. I'm oh sorry. My god. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. I'm so, sorry, you guys. I could not do that. What's the age rating of our show? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. We've got to move on. We've got to actually get to real topics. Yeah, let's get to some topics. Move us on to real We're topics. We're going to try to save the show. We're going to save the show. Let's get serious. Topic of the week that what we have to get through is Google I.O., which happened. There were a lot of small adjustments that I think will make a big difference to just how we use Google products in our lives, specifically with the Android M, which uh, they're introducing, uh, they're improving Google Now. So there's an option or a service called Now on Tap where you can use Now on Tap to ask information from Google in an app and it will give you app specific information. And They also made some updates to Maps, where Maps and Google searches will be optimized to have certain features available offline. And I don't. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on that speaks to me that they're really looking at the context in which we use Google products and just trying to improve the contextual awareness of the the products that we use, so that they always know what we are doing and can respond almost to what we want before. We know that we want to ask it. What do you guys think about the stuff that yeah, they announced? So can we can we go through these like one? Yeah, please. We, there's I so much to I, go through. God, I, so, there was so, so much stuff announced. Yeah. So hi, I I'm sure you guys can know from listening to the show. I am an Apple user, so you know I just want to God let bless you know, your like, soul. Going into this topic, I was not aware of this. Right. So I I can't help but read some of this news more in relation to Apple uh, than Google because I have only a, a passing familiarity with their products. But you know, I have to say, like Google now, um, it it seems like it's destroying Siri like in every way possible. And I I can't mm-hmm. help but like my first thought when I saw this story where they're finally getting it tied into more contextual things, and you know, we'll have to see how it works in the real world. But that said, like, I think it's frankly embarrassing for Apple how little Siri has evolved at this point. Yeah. I mean, it is barely faster and barely better in my experience. And I use it five, six, seven times a day um, than it was when it debuted. Do you disagree with that, Christina? Uh, I, a little bit. I, I Okay, yeah. I mean, I've been using Siri, full disclosure, since it was an app from SRI Labs, which was mm-hmm. originally from the DARPA project. So a year before Google acquired Siri, I was using Siri when it was a third-party app. Um, and I've seen them go through their evolution. And it's funny that when Apple acquired them, they actually lost a lot of their third-party support and some of their features. Um, I do think Google now has progressed faster. But I do think Siri has gained some things with context, especially with the Apple Watch. I find that Siri on the Apple Watch is much better, mm-hmm. much faster, much more responsive mm-hmm. than it is on the phone. So I'm hoping I that those things well. will be changed. Yep. Um, I, I think that you're right in that Google and, and Simone, you nailed it. You know, Google is trying to kind of solve context. They're trying to predict mm-hmm. what you want before you want it. To me, that becomes a really difficult thing to nail correctly because yes. you can do one of two things. If you nail it perfectly, it's serendipitous and it's perfect. It's absolutely what you want. But... 
if you don't nail it perfectly, it has the very high probability, in my opinion, of coming across as creepy and mm-hmm. overly uh, overly stepping into your bounds, you know, like like stepping into your boundaries where you're not comfortable by saying, yeah. oh, you need to leave it this, you know, it's great if I get a notification saying you need to leave now to get to this appointment. I love that. But if it's going through my emails and saying, oh, this is happening around you and here are all the restaurants going on and I'm yeah. not prepared for that experience, I don't know how much I love it. Uh, the same thing with I like the idea of, of, of you know, Google now on tap where it can, uh, you know, take the contextual information from your app and ask questions about it. I like being able to say, you know, who is Skrillex? This was the great example they used at Google mm-hmm. now as they were inside Spotify's app and said, you know, what's the real name of what Skrillex's real name? And it came up inside the app. Um, or what's his real name rather than yeah, what Skrillex's they didn't even real use name. The name. Um, they didn't even have to use Skrillex. That's great. Um but I almost wonder, like, what time um, is my call with him if that happened when I was reading an email, if that would feel like that was going a step too far, at least for now. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to argue that eventually I might not be fully comfortable with all of this. Yeah, I think where Google now, where I've been critical of it in the past, has been that I feel like they've been moving forward faster than maybe individuals have been prepared to go with it. They're also um, – I, I might need it a little slower. Sorry, go on, Simone. I was just going to say, there could be a spammy aspect as well with regard to, say, business. If you're talking about a business, say a restaurant, it asks you, do you want to make a reservation? Do you want to make a reservation? Do you want to look at reviews and stuff? It could almost feel like it was pushing products in your face when you're just trying to have a conversation. It, sure. Yeah. Or if you get an email from a location and then it puts, you know, something, thing, oh, this trip is happening. I'm like, actually, no, it's not. Um, I just got this email <laughs> about this because someone mentioned it. You know, yeah. it, it's not really happening. I guess I feel like this ship has sailed with Google a long time ago. I mean, that is their entire business model. And I think we'll be getting into that Being later. Being intrusive. But, um, <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, I mean, just speaking from an engineering perspective, like they have data and they correlate it with other data by like massively aggregating ridiculous amounts of it. And they've been doing that for a really long time. Like there's a book I read uh, in the Plex. Yes, by Stephen Levy. It's it's, it's fascinating. It talks about the early days of Google. And I mean, basically, there's a correlation between like this question, what you're likely to ask next, like, it's not hard to figure out what people are going to after looking at this content, like that's, that's Google's entire strategy is like mapping all of this together. Like humans like to believe like we're super Mm -hmm. unpredictable, but we're kind of not. not. Exactly. The one thing I would say that Google hasn't nailed yet. And the one reason I have a hard time even properly judging Google now is that if you use a Google apps account a lot of times the the features don't work and if you have multiple google accounts as i do so i have my mashable account which is a google apps account i have my domain accounts which are separate and are google accounts and then i have my main gmail which i don't really use for email but i have that's kind of my main google profile for youtube and other things account none of those things talk to one another they're not all linked to one central you know entity so i can't even you i can't rely on google now in that in that way because yeah if I'm logged into Android or iOS, I'm logged in with this Gmail account, which does not receive my, you know, uh, trip notifications, doesn't receive other stuff. It sees sees my searches, but that's all it sees. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, a, a struggle they have. Whereas if you're going something based on Siri, it's using more of the data directly on your phone or trying to use the context based on how you're asking it, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that we've run into uh, – just in this office is consolidating Google account, like Google Plus profiles. We somehow we, we've ended up with yep. multiple ones. Courtney herself has like six 
And just because before, you know, Google acquired YouTube, she had some YouTube accounts yep. and they all have their own Google Plus pages. There's no yes, way to merge them. And no, there's not. I wonder if they will uh, – if this fractured user base becomes a problem, if they will move towards being able to consolidate those useless pages that we all have. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, hope. Let's move on to – This is a call for Google. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the news from from this is like yeah. they are making advances with this yeah. um, that are that are interesting. And I mean, for a long time, Google's translation has been better in Siri, and uh-huh. you see them tying it into other databases. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what people have been wanting from Siri. So I think this is yeah. like a competitive advantage. Like I, I, Christina, you said you use Siri a lot, and I I do too, but. Like the movie feature, it may work super well in an Apple demo, but I've actually found that to be tremendously inconsistent mm-hmm. in the real world. And I just, I think there's a lot more. I realize Apple's forte is not aggregating massive amounts of data in the way that Google's is, but I think Siri is, I think it's falling behind the curve. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a competitive advantage they're losing. No, I would agree with that. I mean, that's what's interesting is that Mark Gurman at 9to5Mac, who we should say is more, he's right far more often than he's wrong you know a lot of people like to dismiss him because of his age because he's not part of the club because apple doesn't officially talk to him and whatnot but mark (laughs) is is really good and mark had um some stories a couple of weeks ago about you know um apple basically working um on beefing up siri and making it better and kind of really trying to build a real google now um competitor and i think they need to do that i think that makes sense um i think that if they do it they will probably have a better balance of the the creepy versus the useful aspect (laughs) because i do feel like when google now came out i mean i feel like it's a lot better now just because we're more used to it but when it first came out google has a tendency to want to push forward and and, and ingratiate itself in, in all parts of your life and sometimes that can be good but a lot of times that can be too much too fast and yeah. in borderlines mm-hmm. and creepy. So I think Apple might get the balance right, whereas Google, I think, certainly has the skills uh, with the, with their data and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're, they're way ahead on that end. Yeah. That is a good segue into Google Photos. Yeah, that's yeah. really big news. That's really this was big news. Probably yeah. the biggest product-facing news. I mean, they announced a lot of future tech stuff. You know, they're uh, Solly and, and and Gerard and, and and these different fabric sorts of stuff. But in terms of actual products we can use now, I think Google Photos was without a doubt the biggest announcement of Google I/O. Mm-hmm. So basically, we can upload all of our photos. Google will store yep. them. It will organize them again using context, visual context, um, it can tell what is in the photo yes. and you can search, say, the example is, was boats. I don't know why boats. Search boats. It'll show you boat photos, concert photos, show you concert photos, and also by faces. So the question yes. in uh, the piece, I think it was on The Verge, was do you trust Google with your photos? <laughs> and honestly, I don't – I'm 50-50 on this question because I feel like we – are as a culture we're kind of moving two different directions on pr- the privacy issue. I feel like a lot of people like I always think about um when Cracked was publishing articles about the NSA and their discovery was that people the demographic that reads Cracked which is um 20 somethings they're not reading those right. articles about care. the NSA. They do not care. Whereas I think people older people my mom's age my mom's not old These people do. She's always sending me links to, like, this is how you secure your Facebook profile. This is how you secure your Gmail, et cetera. And certainly since everything that happened last year, I've become way, way better about, you know, double authentication on everything. Um, 
But yeah, I, I don't know the demographics or the, the exact split of people who are really, really invested in security versus people who just are so overwhelmed by the options that they do not care and they're not Ooh. going to make the effort. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and I think it's two things. I've always argued, I've literally been arguing this since I was in college, like, uh-huh. like 15 years ago, I was writing papers arguing this after 9-11 about how really when it comes to, pri- to privacy, we care a lot more about what our friends could maybe see. Yeah. Um, like I would be much more bothered if my friends could read my emails or people I knew in my life could see my emails or my private things than if a stranger sees them. Mm-hmm. If a stranger or in this case a computer could see my photos or see other stuff, I kind of don't care. Whereas if it's someone I actually know, that's more problematic. Um, it really has to have, I think, real stakes for, for what's happening, which is why I think Facebook – Privacy can kind of uh, go into that area where you're like, I want to make sure that these things are secure and only these people yeah. can see them. Um, but when it comes to something like photos, having kind of this un this, this this faceless entity having access to, and you know that it's a computer, not really a human, seeing yeah. your photos and and using them in different ways, maybe to show you ads, maybe to do other things. If it means in exchange for that, I can have all of my photos uploaded for free. Mm-hmm. Um, all my videos uploaded for free, tagged, metadata, you know, uh, you, you know, posted together for GIFs and things like that. Yeah. That becomes a really different situation than um, everybody else sees, sees this stuff. Yeah. And one thing that they mentioned right up front was that the privacy options are right there. You can toggle <laughs> facial recognition. You can toggle location. Uh, you can toggle sharing. Like they, they do not – they're really, I think, trying to instill what trust they can – in people who use this product (laughs) well that's a good segue into a bunch of questions i have about this and christina since you are a a robot full of information i was hoping hoping you would have information about this so this is what i fundamentally don't understand about this story so um you know actually speaking about in the plex um you know when i read that book i was overwhelmed with just how complicated um, and how expensive it is to run like you know backend services for Google. I mean, it's it's really interesting. If you read this book, you'll find out about them like having rows of servers, and on one side of it, it's like 115 or 120 degrees, oh, and on God. the other side, the humans can walk down. It's like 90 degrees. So what I don't understand about this is photos. Just speaking um, mathematically. It's one of the most um, space intensive things that you can that you can you can try to store in a data center, right? Um, especially with someone like Google, I realize because they don't really super super push the the privacy or encryption aspect of it as much as maybe <laughs> Apple would. Um, I realize that's gonna there's gonna be encryption that's available for that. But what I truly don't understand is this seems like a an astonishingly expensive proposition so they go through and they say like we have this commitment to privacy well then what's the freaking monetization value of this like that's that is a very good question so christina do you know well i think that there's a difference between privacy and anonymity so for instance you can say that something is anonymized and that we're not attaching this to you as a person but we are taking this data and feeding it to a database so that if you have a lot of photos of dogs or of pizza or of other things, maybe we can show you things in that, in that realm. Or maybe we can use that. Actually, this is probably a better example. We'll take what these photos are and add it to this existing profile of who you are to advertisers so that they can better model their advertising specifically to you. Your name is not attached. Um, they don't know exactly who you are. 
Uh, but the information that is, that is shared in these photos is adding to this additional profile. So we're able to do this. So I think maybe that's one a- aspect. Um, privacy, privacy and anonymity are two different things. You know, um, so they're they're kind of kind of saying, well, look, if we don't know what your name is, then it's private, <laughs> even if they're still using the data in, in those ways. Um, and I think the secondary thing is that storage is, is increasingly getting less and less expensive. And so I think they can offer this as a way maybe to upsell to other services. Um, and maybe I think that there's something to be said about the fact whether they are using it for advertising or not, if they're able to analyze these photographs and use this data to identify what things are, that can help them with their future search and, um, I guess, predictive analyses mm-hmm. down the line. There are all sorts of interesting computing problems that you could solve by analyzing this number of photos, even if you're not profiting directly from them, where you could say, we now know exactly what this scene looks like. We can, we can computerize with an algorithm with, with, you know, computer intelligence, yeah. tell what these things are. And that can help us when it comes to scanning large swaths of images across the web to categorize them and then sell ads against those images. Okay. So it's, it's basically about the metadata, which is... That, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 Okay. That makes sense to me. Um, it seems like it's going to be a very expensive proposition. The other thing I don't understand with it is they said you have, you can upload virtually unlimited photos. So will it like downsample them as I, as I upload them to like, like Facebook will that you'll have a really um, high res photo and it will, it will, it will downsample so up, it to, so up to 16 megapixel, yeah. up to 16 megapixel. It will keep, wow. um, if it's under wow. six, if it's over 16 megapixel, then it'll downsample. And for video, yeah. it's up to 1080p. Now, okay. whether they do any sort of other compression or not, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. They probably do on some end, maybe to crunch some of the PNGs or JPEGs or whatnot, but I'm assuming when you view the stuff on your devices, it's probably full res. Um, as it stands right now, though, for most people with mobile phones, which is how most people are uploading photographs, you're going to get the full res sample. Now, what will be interesting about this is that in a few years' time, there will be a number of Android phones that will have, you know, 20 plus megapixel cameras. So what do those do? <laughs> now, those, yeah. the megapixel, of course, is kind of a misnomer because it can be higher megapixel but still be lower quality. But will they then down res those? That I'm not sure about, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um and they are selling storage as well. Right. I mean, for, for now, they're saying, you know, um, yeah, exactly. They're saying you're virtually unlimited. Um, and that could change. And I think they are trying to see how many people they can get doing this. You know, they're targeting iOS and Android. And then there's a web app, too. But obviously, their two goals are iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. I guess I would say, like, the, the cost of doing this exact service on iCloud is it's non-trivial. I mean, it's actually yeah. rather expensive. And, you know, I... Although oh, Amazon... Yeah. Amazon also, if you're a Prime member, they have an unlimited photo option, not for photos, not not for videos, but for photos. And I believe it's full res. And, uh, you know, Microsoft has a new photo offering too. So yeah, but you're right. It's not non-trivial for for iPhoto uh, or for iCloud rather. I mean, I pay for the 500 gigabytes uh, iCloud account and I believe it's and it's nothing. It goes like that. You know, I don't know how gone. much I pay for yeah. that a month. I mean, I pay the equivalent, of, I think, of $10 a month for Dropbox for a terabyte, I think is $100 a year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know I get a terabyte of storage on, on, on one drive. Um, you know, I think that it, a part of it is probably them hoping that people have less photos than they think they do. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the storage is getting <laughs> I cheaper. I don't know. I mean, you're the techie in your family. Is your husband, is Grant technical? Is he not? Oh, yeah. No, he's very technical. He's, okay, my I mean, husband is, is 
horrible when it comes to technology. He's great as a smart guy, as a PhD in bacterial genetics, but does not get technology. And what I find with him is he will constantly fill up his phone with garbage yeah. and then sink it to his computer and then constantly fill up his phone with garbage and, and like do it. He has a massive computer like library at this point. And mm-hmm. I, I just I see normal people as being very non-restrained in the way that they do that. So yeah, I mean, and I think that that's kind of what they're hoping too with some yeah. of this algorithm stuff is if it can determine what is good and what is not, you know, if it can have a duplicate detector and do other things. I mean, you know, if it can look through and you can say, oh, actually, you know what? A lot of these photos are really bad and get rid of them um i mean that becomes a useful thing in and of itself but again i think that it probably a lot of this is probably the metadata mm-hmm. and, and and frankly just the fact that they can learn a lot by taking all these photos in and scanning them and analyzing them i guess i would say like with Flickr, as far as like i do understand that amazon will let you upload photos through that but Flickr is very far from private i mean i find myself when i'm looking for texture samples like the other day um we uh we uprest holiday suit her motorcycle suit and as someone that is a texture artist i'm constantly looking for high quality photographic reference to work from uh to like bring in and like modify until it you know, it's basically the texture of the materials or the spacecraft or whatever it is. And like Flickr is the first thing I hit. And I, I sometimes look through photos and I'm like, I think these people don't understand what they're <laughs> posting here. Like for me to look through. I mean, it's truly scary, some of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Sorry. I, think <laughs> you, yeah. I think you're both kind of correct. I mean, obviously you're both correct. But about um, the fact that this is such a universal problem we all have a crap ton of photos that we know we need to delete off our phones. We know we need to delete them off our computers because we've dumped them there after getting them off our phones. I think Google knows this and they're, they may be banking on the fact that there are going to be a lot of users and, you know, use, like Christina said, whatever data they're getting from that must be beneficial enough to offset the fact that everyone in the world has been looking for a place to put photos and sort through them quickly and easily. So. Fantastic. Is there anything else through Google IO that we want to kind of look through? Well, they have HBO now. So no longer Apple exclusive Google, Apple or Android pay um, taking or taking over where Google wallets left off yeah, and died. Can we died. talk about that yeah. briefly? Can we talk about that briefly? I think that's really interesting. And I, I guess before I voice an opinion on it, Christine, I'd love to know what you think. Um, You know, I reviewed Google Wallet back in 2011. And I liked it. But my big concern then was I said, you know, you've got you have to get the banks involved. Yeah. Uh-huh. Excuse me. And you have to get the credit card companies involved. Um, Obviously, with the retailers too. retailers have kind of come through, you know, NFC, Terminals are all, are all over the place. They've been widely adopted, and Apple Pay has helped that tremendously. But where you're still, I'm not convinced that Google is going to really be able to compete is with the getting the banks and the credit card companies involved. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple has done a tremendous job getting them both on board. And so while Android Pay is really interesting, and I like that they're saying you can be your own entity or you can be somebody else's and you can upload your card information here or use something else, and that's great. I'm wondering how many banks are going to go through the process, like small banks. Like it's, it's one thing for mm-hmm. Chase or you know Bank of America or whoever you know to say we are going to agree um, you know, Citibank to say we're going to agree to be part of this. But 
What about your local credit union? What about, you know, your local mom and pop bank? That's an area where Apple has really succeeded in getting um, a a lot of buy-in really early on. And that's the one area where Google has fallen behind and they haven't ever really had a presence there. And so that's what I'm kind of, I guess, waiting to see how that works um, before I get too gung-ho about it. Just because Mm -hmm. I've seen how they've failed so spectacularly in the past, (laughs) I'm critical that they will manage to nail it this time. I think, um, you know, if if I can voice an opinion on that, of course, Um, we didn't cover this story on Rocket, but this has been a story I've been thinking a hell of a lot about uh, over the last few weeks. It's it's terrifying. So there's a company called MSpy that's out there. And um, what this allows people to do is basically go through, root their Android phone. And um, let's say, let's say for an example, I, a giant space cat, choose to spy on my employees. So I give them all Android phones and I root the phone and I basically get all of the data off of it. And now, boom, I'm seeing every email that comes in. Everything gets typed. Everything. Um, parents mm. do this for children. You can yep. go to their their site and see these creepy testimonials. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not a parent. I know there's probably some dynamic. I'm not getting it. It, it freaks no, me I, out. No, I, I don't think there is. Honestly, I, th- I think if you don't trust your kid enough, no, um, give them a phone. And people doing it to spouses as well. Also unacceptable. So the way this ties to Google Pay for me. Oh, and by the way, like with MSpy. So what happened is MSpy's out there and they have this service of basically letting people root an Android phone and spy on their friends, spouses, children, employees. So they gather and aggregate all this massive amounts of data, which is then stolen. And the people that steal this massive amount of data um, actually come back and say, listen, we will give this back if you pay our ransom. They choose to not pay their ransom, and now it's out there on the internet where security researchers are finding it, and MSpy is being really cagey about it. So the way this ties to Google Pay to me, um, guys, credit cards are not super secure. And (laughs) I'm not going to tell you, like, Apple Pay is a panacea. I think I'm kind of... um, Letting Visa and MasterCard keep such a large chunk of it is kind of a step back towards moving towards more electronic pay. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, when I use the Apple platform, um, their security seems to be awesome for Apple Pay. And I think what worries me about Google Pay is I truly have no faith in Android as a secure platform oh. for the MSPY reason I just I just gave. Like, does that seem reasonable to you? Does that seem unreasonable? Yeah, I mean, that makes yeah. a lot I think of that's sense. reasonable. No, yeah. I think it's reasonable. And I mean, you know, the secure element on the NFC thing for Google is now taking place virtually, and, and that's fine. And and they have, you know, different things. For some Google Wallet things, you can kind of, um, you know, add almost like a, a check card or, or, or sort of thing to, to your account where like it'll fund the purchases and then make the payment and then, then take it from your account and do other things. But no, I mean, I think you bring up a really good question, which is, you know, Android, because of the way that it's so open, there are a lot more holes involved in it. It's a lot easier to install third-party apps that are not authorized by Android that can take things over and root things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot easier to do that than it is to jailbreak an iPhone. And that yeah. is a real concern. I mean, you know, the, the secure element on iOS for Apple Pay is a hardware element. And yeah. to, to break that would be tremendously difficult. Um because it's virtual for Android, I'm not going to say that it's imp- I'm not going to say that it's it's more likely, but I certainly think that it opens up more concerns. Um, and and I think that 
also because the platform is so you know fragmented in some ways you know you have samsung pay you have these different mm-hmm. kind of competing options that maybe make it harder to get mass acceptance if that makes any sense yeah. which um kind of goes part and parcel with the security element because you know most of the security problems that have happened with with um, apple pay have been really the fault of the banks um <laughs> but apple Figures. pay itself is actually fairly secure so yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable for you to have the feeling that you have. I'm not saying that it's likely or, or even probable that, that your you know phone would be hacked that way. But I don't think that it's unreasonable to say, look, I know that these aspects of the phone can be monitored. Would the payment stuff be transferred this way and be accessible as well? Yeah. I don't think it's an unfair concern to have. It just seems to me if I could spend $15 and then go grab your Android phone and root it and then get every keystroke that you're you're doing, yeah, that's, that's, that's not a, a platform that I want to be doing payments on. It's not a platform I want to do a lot of things on, to be honest <laughs> with you. So I don't know. Um, to me, I, I'm happy Google is working on this, and I, I look forward to a future of more with more of these options yeah. out there. Like it's yeah. like the credit cards are so antiquated for ridiculous. How, no, we need to move how, on to a new system, yeah, especially yeah. the US, do. you know, because yeah. the US We are the only ones who don't or well, who yeah. have the swipe method, we don't have, you know, the pen and chip. No, you you guys yeah. are that on. So, uh, we can we talk about Google Cardboard cuz that's more of a VR thing yeah. uh, that I'm working with. Totally. So, so um, are you going to work with it now that the SDK is open? I don't know. Um, I think Google Cardboard is more of a I think it's more of a toy and yeah. I think it's it's I this is the, the feeling I get from Google Cardboard is like <laughs> it, it it follows a lot of the, the other news from Google that I feel comes out of this. And they're really good at like Apple will very slow. They'll be very slow and they'll pick a direction. Uh-huh. And every once in a while, you'll get something like a, a what was their music service? Was it Vine uh, or whatever oh their uh, Apple, whatever uh, it was. I don't um, remember what it's called. Apple moves like a glacier, surely in one direction, the do. direction it they has do chosen right but google tends to i mean it's very much a company of engineers yeah they're out there like doing all their crazy uh, random things and google cardboard really strikes me that way where i'm seriously not concerned there's ever going to be a a way for me to ship games using google cardboard and make money but i think it's interesting for the wider adoption it really is vr google is so utopian to me because the the idea that they put all this money and talent raw talent and hard work into creating things that they know may never make them money like google cardboard which the the stuff that i'm really interested in with regards to google cardboard is how they demonstrated it being used in the classroom and i don't think that virtual reality is a total like replacement for field trips they were comparing it in the video i watched to magic school bus and being like you can go scuba diving with your google cardboard your classroom full of kids with google cardboard and i think that that's maybe a little Taking it a little too far in this direction, uh, fantasy direction, but I do think it oh, is really on. cool. It's like Miss, it's like Miss Frizzle, like you said, Magic School Bus. It's like Miss Miss Frizzle and Arnold going inside the body. Come on, Arnold. who doesn't want to do that? I think it is really cool, and I the the idea that the teacher can kind of curate these virtual experiences is awesome. But it also it, it's it's very it seems surface level to me. Um, I mean, I the, I used it a few months ago, and it was really cool to explore, like, Versailles and go walk through rooms, but it is in no way kind of a replacement for actually 
being there. Although I do think that for kids who learn better visually, it could be really important and really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't we move on? Why don't we move on? All right. Let's move on. All right. Do we have any sponsors this week? We do. And it is Squarespace. (laughs) Yes. Squarespace, the service that lets you build your website quickly and easily and painlessly, is sponsoring this episode of Rocket. And if you use sponsor code ROCKET at checkout, you get 10% off your new fantastic website. Christina, do you know what you're doing with filmgirl.nyc yet? Yeah, I don't. I, need, I still need more more ideas. I've been getting ideas from people to what like you like movie with our listeners. They're letting you down. <laughs> <laughs> they are letting me down. So you guys, let me know. You know, you guys, let me know what you want me to do. I'm gonna come up with something with the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna make a Squarespace a Squarespace site with it. That will be amazing and look amazing on both mobile and. I want you to periscope your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, twenty four seven, Christina. Christina Camp. <gasps> uh, no, yes. I don't want to do that. Oh, I would be on it all day. So when you do that, you're going to use Squarespace. <laughs> <That's kind of laughs> creepy, Simone. <laughs> it is creepy. No, here's what you know. What's you know, wrong you know with me? Yeah. You know what it would be, Simone? What? You would be like looking at me, looking into a screen, <laughs> like ninety nine percent of the yeah. day. Like Christina, like watching and laughing at things, and then talking, and, and you'd hear the clicky clack of keys, and, and then you'd hear occasional cursing, and then other people in the office laughing at me, like occasional. So Christina, because I, yeah, I curse a lot at the office, and Why? and make people feel uncomfortable because of of my brashness. No, that well, would be what all of those things are. But no, that would I would that'd be fine. I I'm also in front of the computer twenty four seven, so it just be I wouldn't even have to change my lifestyle. Just, Christina no, would wouldn't. be there. That would in the be corner. the great thing. Watching in the me. corner, you'd be like, "Oh, hi, Christina." See what we would need is we would need a two way thing. We need to do like a FaceTime scenario. Simone, they'd be like, "Simone, why are you whispering to your computer all the time? What's going on over there?" And I'd be like, "Don't look at me. I'm talking to my lover, Christina." <laughs> anyway. The point is that when you finally get filmgirl.nyc off the ground, Squarespace yes. is an awesome service that can host it, That's help you be scale using. it down. It'll look beautiful on mobile. It'll look beautiful on the yes, web. Yes, it will. You won't need to worry. Well, that's the whole thing. Yes. Streamlines everything. That's the whole thing I'm looking forward to. So we're 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 going to come up with something by the end of June, but I'm going to do with Film Girl in my C, and then you guys have my word. I'm going to create a Squarespace site that will look great on mobile, great on the web. Um, it'll be easy to control, easy to maintain. I could even start a store if I wanted to. I could sell my own <gasps> Film Girl in my C swag. I won't, but I could. Like Christina Warren brand fanny packs, I guess. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> See, I was thinking more. I was thinking more Film Girl keychains. Yes. So unlike this podcast, the website will be professional. It'll look professionally designed, but Christina won't <laughs> it, need it to will. use her coding skills to build it because there's no coding required when you use Squarespace. No, I won't. That's the great thing. It'll be no, awesome. Their, their templates are fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. They look good. And like we said, they look good both on the on your phone and on your iPad. Um, the editor is easy to use both places. And um, it's great. Like it's a really, really good service. Yeah. We love it. And with Squarespace yeah. 7, there's a ton of new templates to look through and experience. So please, if you are considering building a website in the future, uh, consider Squarespace. Uh, if you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name also. And their plans start Woo-hoo. at $8 a month. And of course, if you sign up with the code word ROCKET, the name of the show that you are listening to, you get 10% off your first purchase. So... Thank you so much, Squarespace, for sponsoring us again. We super duper appreciate it. And 
maybe I should build a website too. Why haven't you I done should. this? You should. We've you talked should. about this before. We we really we need did, to build the rocket. Because you need to buy your name. You need to buy your own domain name, and you need to make like a, a website dedicated. I to, have my domain name. Um, so well, okay. Well, then you need to make that into a Squarespace, and we need to turn it into what was the term? Um, boyfriend mothers. What what was the term? It was boyfriend son. Boyfriend son. Okay, so we need to no. do boyfriend son. <laughs> Boyfriendson.com we need to create as as a Squarespace telling people not to fall into this trap. How's that? Yeah, All right. Yeah, a, like warning. a warning. Sign a dire warning. Yeah. Or you yeah, just seriously. put a picture of Simone's face there looking sad. <laughs> do not be this girl. Do not yeah. be the boyfriend I'm not son. Sad. No. I'm very happy about my lifestyle. It's all the haters. I'm not letting the haters get me down. <laughs> all right. You know what? Lust after your son if you want, but we're just we're trying to help after you out the... here. Oh, whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> talking about Google and privacy happens to segue really well into topic number two of this week, oh, which man. is the oh, incredibly man. scathing speech scathing. that Tim Cook – Oh, my God. My face was on fire. There were flames on the side of my face. Tim Cook gave a speech at this Champions of Freedom event held by the Electronic Privacy Information Center in which he used a lot of very, very strong terms to talk about certain services. Well, in Tim, in Tim Cook terms. Yes. Like, it was yes. very calm for normal people, but no, for Tim I mean, Cook, you could t- tell he for, was half pissed. You know, Tim, Tim Cook yeah. is like the nicest man. He's got the, the uh, Alabama drawl, yep. and so he seems calm, but yet he was, the language he was using, he was hardcore. Oh, yeah. If, you, yeah. if, you hear, if, if you've read the transcripts, um, you, you can tell, but if you hear the speech, as we have, mm-hmm. wow. Wow. Well, the Tim was not happy. The quote that stood out to me, like, as the ultimate, we believe that people have a fundamental right to privacy. The American people demand yep. it. The Constitution demands it. Morality demands it. Like, very, very strongly coming down on the side of, and what he ultimately went into was Apple encrypts everything. They do not, they will not allow a backdoor to the government because they believe that doing that will allow other people to break in which they're probably right about but yeah, they definitely are yeah very much stressing that i and i i thought as well and i think you agree christina that companies like google and facebook might be might be free and um accessible to everyone but apple will take care of all of your information they will not let anyone have it so well, there were there were there were two parts of the conversation. So the first part he starts out kind of talking about how Apple's commitment to privacy and saying mm-hmm. that as a company, they make money off of their devices. And 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 you know other commenters have pointed this out. You know their their um, business model is not predicated on selling your data, and that's a direct shot at Facebook and especially Google, who oh, yeah. frankly do make money. Yeah. You know aggregating your data and and selling it. And he's saying this is not how we make our money. It's not how we want to make our money. It's not the company we are. So you can be free to store your photos. He even made a mention of family photos being sold and, and, and other things happening to them by yeah. saying this information is being aggregated and, and sold. You know, the old adage that if um, if you're not paying anything, you know, you are the product. Um, and and then he segued into it. And I think that we can all maybe and I was on uh, the uh, Clockwise podcast with Jason Snell earlier today. And we were all kind of saying mm, he might have with the rhetoric gone a little bit too far uh, against Google and Facebook and in some of the the privacy concerns, but where he then segued into a completely different area, which was about government backdoors and encryption and saying that he very fundamentally believed that there was not, it was not in, in anyone's best interest for them to have a backdoor just for the good guys to yeah. have access to things. Because, you know, if you leave a key under the door for the cops, the burglars can find it too. Yeah. And so his 
overall statement seemed to be about the fact that Apple believes fundamentally in both privacy and encryption. Um, and and I think that for me personally, the encryption stance, you know, talking about not acquiescing to the government and to law enforcement's whims where they want access to iMessage and they want access to FaceTime and they want access to mm-hmm. some of these iCloud backups. I think that's really admirable. And I think it's yeah. great that he's coming out and saying it's a fundamental First Amendment right for privacy and, and, and to, to speech for us not to allow this thing to, to become usurped. And, and, and we're going to fight for this. Uh, I, I have some comments about that. Um, so I, you know, one of the most frustrating dynamics, I think, in, in covering tech today is I think things very quickly become a, um, like a macho contest between Apple and Google. And I just, something I know this is going to happen because I've been following technology <laughs> for a long time is I know Tim Cook's remarks are going to be seen as like, oh, Tim Cook goes after Google. Tim Cook goes after Google. And, you know, like we were all talking about this in the Relay chat room. And I completely understand where people are coming from feeling like these remarks are too strong uh, in attacking Google or singling it out or maybe they're doing it for competitive advantage. I have to say, I listened to it and I felt like, one sentence of his speech, maybe two, had really to do with Google. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of it was talking about government control and the responsibility of encrypting this data and the wider issues of of people getting access to this database. Um, so I actually felt that the government was the subject of 95% of the remarks. I think and that's Google fair. was like 5%. So I worry well, that we're going to miss like what's important. No, and I, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think almost the entire encryption conversation was obviously about the government. Mm-hmm. I think the right. first conversation about about uh, privacy. He specifically called out Silicon Valley companies that profit off of selling this information, aggregating yeah. it, and that was Would very you, clearly, yeah. in no uncertain terms, uh, a, a ping against both Google and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I agree with you. That's kind of where their targeting ends. And when he talked about, you know, oh, and they're going to take your photos and do God knows what with him, that's very much a Google statement. But I mm-hmm. think that the the bulk of his speech, which was about kind of the encryption policies, is absolutely aimed at the government. And I think that, frankly. I'm glad he took that stance because even if it makes things harder for law enforcement agents to figure things out, and that can be troubling if you are the, you know, subject of a crime. And I'm not trying to say that there aren't downsides to not having easy backdoors for government access, especially when it comes to to solving important crimes. I still think that the personally, I feel that the um, negatives associated with that. Um, are outweighed by the positives involved with keeping everyone's information encrypted. I, I, I am someone that has been the subject of many crimes this year. Yes. <laughs> and I, I can tell you, like, my experience with the FBI in, in solving these crimes has led me to the conclusion giving government access to these tools would not be a big boom. They wouldn't know how to use it basically. I, I, I think that's a nicer way to say what I was thinking. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I, I have to say, from my point of view, I cheered for Tim Cook's remarks. Now, I think it's important to stress that even though I do write pieces in you know tech journalism from time to time, I primarily consider myself an engineer and not a developer. Mm-hmm. And I think what I have a lot of worry about with normal people is they have these services, they're free, 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 free. And I think people don't think about what the cost of using Flickr is. I think people don't think about what the cost of using Gmail is. Mm -hmm. I think people don't think about what the the cost is of using Google products. And um, 
I I don't like our company is going to enthusiastically support Android with our next batch of games because like Unreal Engine 4 supports it. So I don't have yeah. any religious objection to Android. But what I do really appreciate about Cook's remarks is I think it's time to have an adult conversation about what the cost of this is. Like, uh, you know, Christina, you were talking about the metadata and the things that Google is planning on using that for, like classifying, oh, these are boats, this is that. I think when you really think about this in the global sense of what their end game is, it is to like aggregate all that freaking data and to really come up with some disturbing amounts of information for people. And yes. what I also think people don't understand is when Facebook gets together a massive database on our activity, you know, they will sell it to many different people. And you know that could include the government to use for these spying things, or the government has, you know, say they come and put make an advertising agency um, to you know get the I mean, stuff. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I think you have a point there. I wouldn't go that far and say that they would sell it to the government. I mean, I'm not saying that that's out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think that that's primarily who they're wanting to target. And, and in any event, at least what they're doing now, and of course this could change, is that the stuff is anonymized. Now, that's not to say that you couldn't somehow, you know. Uh, you know, specify down um, through, through, you know, kind of targeting exactly who someone is. But I don't personally, I mean, I, if you want to, Bram, I'm completely, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you, but, but I, I don't want to say that they're, that the government is going to be, you know, someone who's going to be buying this data from these networks that they'll be selling them willingly to them, because I don't know if that would be, I don't think it would be in Facebook's best interest, for instance, to do that. I think that that would be going against their interests to do that, because in that case, I don't know how many customers would continue, especially in countries where governments are not yeah. as, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it, in in comparison, um, you know, altruistic as ours mm-hmm. are. I don't know if it would really be beneficial to them at all to be selling them to government entities. And that's not to say, I think the bigger question would be, are they willing to open their encryption things to these government agencies and, and open up the keys and, and create back doors, whereas Apple has said they're not going to? That, to me, would be the bigger question, rather than whether they're going to try to profit and sell the information to, to government entities. I feel like, you know, The Atlantic has covered this extensively. CBS News did a piece a few years ago on this about, like, these databases are for sale. And it's not like they sit there and go like, oh, I mean, you know, once databases are compiled for the purpose of making money with them, like, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility for many different kinds of people to get it. And, I mean, this isn't even starting to talk about the deep web, which is a whole another level here. And I just, I feel like I, the part of Kim Cook's remarks I really, really appreciated was him talking about there is going to come a day where people begin to understand the true costs of these services. And, you know, I realize I come from a position of a lot of privilege where, you know, I'm happy to pay Apple however much it is a month. I don't even know. I think it's like $20 $20 or so for a massive amount of iCloud storage because I'm severely uncomfortable with anyone having access to like my company information, my assets, um, you know, my photographs, yeah. um, my keynotes. I am completely unwilling to do that. I realize that's a position of privilege to the $20 a month is honestly not that much money to me. But I think that I think it's really time for us to have a conversation about this because 
it, it's yeah. Well, it, it's really moving towards a scary place. What you're describing is a class divide in who gets to store their information privately and and who doesn't. And I I don't know. I don't really see a solution to that because people need to keep their information accessible and online for them to find and if someone can't afford to pay for apple they're not going to or to pay for icloud they're not going to so i i guess do you think that this is a call to maybe not only people but to google or other companies like Facebook to step up their security? Do you think he's he's taking a stand um, that he hopes other companies will see as an example and maybe go, oh, we should look into yeah, that? I mean, uh, Google could get serious. Yeah, yeah. I think he's definitely laying out the gauntlet. I mean, on the one hand, he's trying to use it as a value reason why to use Apple versus the, these yeah. other places. But I think he's also putting out almost, you know, like a – um, uh, you're saying, hey, are you going to join me or are you going to continue to be, you know, yeah. wussies? You know, are, are, are you going to take part in this? I mean, just this week, you know, Facebook announced that you can add a PGP key to your Facebook mail and so you can encrypt, that can be encrypted back and forth. Now that's, you know, how much people use, if, what, if you use Facebook mail as your main email, maybe that's really <laughs> useful. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot of people who do, but I mean, that's a good first step. Uh, Google is encrypting more and more of its information. Um, so, I mean, I think that this these sorts of calls and these sorts of actions can only make it more of a, I think the more, here's how I feel. Yeah. I feel that the more that privacy and security and encryption becomes uh, a feature on, on a box that you need to check to be competitive, that's actually better for everyone because yeah. if these companies feel like they have to do that to, to stay up to date and to be competitive, that's good for everybody. Yeah. I yeah, definitely, I definitely agree. agree with that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Should we move on to dessert? Okay, great. So <laughs> I want to plug, I want to plug something very quick. Go for today. it. Um, my friend Nina, um, Nina Friedman made a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful game on Steam called Freshman Year. And basically, it's it's a story of a, a girl that gets hit on against her will. And I don't want to spoil it, but I want to say it has some very serious trigger warnings with it. And, you know, something I talk a lot about in my professional life is the need for emotional games or games that kind of do things beyond just letting you kill things. <laughs> and right. um, what happened this week is she's actually been the subject of a lot of, um, I, I think vandalism would be a fair word on on her Steam page, uh, because she had the misfortune of actually having an opinion about the industry she works in. So <laughs> um, my, my request out there for any of our listeners would be, um, if you want to play a game that is tremendously well done and doing something as different and important uh freshman year is free on steam i hope that you'll go check it out if you like it maybe send her a positive review on steam because um you know it's game developers put our lives and our souls into our work and having someone tear it down just because they don't like that you have an opinion about steam refunds it's just it's crappy (sighs) you know so if you guys would do that i would appreciate it yeah seriously have you played that? No, somewhere? I have not. But the you should. Yeah. Well, it's depressing, but you should. Well, no, I want to play fr- fresh freshman year. Yes, yeah, yeah. Is it available on Mac as well as PC, or is it just PC? I don't know. I don't know. I played it on my PC, so. I mean, I have a PC, so I can play it on that. I was just play curious. it on that. I don't know, so. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> So, <laughs> our third topic is a gauntlet throwdown. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. 
Brianna, what of the new Star Wars things are you most excited for? Let me guess. It's probably Disney Infinity 3.0. No, it's it's yes. not. It's no one's. <laughs> well, I, I am. Shut up. I am. Don't even joke with me. I, I love, love it. Disney Infinity. Uh, so really well why. I think Toy Box yeah. mode is the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. The game really sucked. Well the Toy Box it's is really amazing. Well God. Well, so I thought what we were going to talk about today is, you know, so I went and saw a movie the other night and on my Star Wars t-shirt and yeah. um, like they were talking about how it's coming out in December. And so I thought like going into another year of, you know, Star Wars movies coming out, I thought that maybe all of us could have a discussion about the prequels and kind of get <laughs> oh. on the record about how oh. we feel about the films overall. So yeah. I want to throw down the gauntlet and get that opinion out there. Oh, so my God. I don't know who wants – can I go first? Go, go for it. Go first. Go first. Yeah. You go first. Okay. So I have a very unpopular opinion <gasps> What? the prequels. Brianna Wu has an unpopular opinion? I, I know. It's amazing. Um, you like Jar Jar. I don't like Jar Jar. I well, that's because you're human. completely agree that the prequels are flawed and not good films – and they're inferior to, you know, Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope. But I think the prequels are acceptable <laughs> movies. <laughs> like they are, there is, there is fun <sighs> to be had watching them. Less so with Phantom Menace. But I feel like they got increasingly better to the point where they are acceptable, enjoyable movies. They're not as good as A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, which are the greatest <laughs> from the greatest films ever made. <laughs> but I feel like even a mediocre Star Wars movie is still a lot of fun. And I some... I, I don't know. The it, the fan anger towards them... It's a horrifying world we live in me. where your yeah, controversial yeah. opinion is that a film is okay. It's, it's, well, it's no, great, it's not, it's not yeah. a film. It, it's, it's a series of films that were... I mean, look, at least you admit that the that, that Phantom was terrible, right? I mean, can oh, we God. just all yeah, admit that... Yeah. Look, I, Fair. Let's, let, can we can we at least admit that there's no redeeming value whatsoever of Phantom? I think the static work in Phantom, like the design of the ships, the design of Naboo. Um, Wait, I think there's good design work. Pod racing I, 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 and I Queen Amidala's clothes. Those are my. I'll I'll agree with the pod racing and some of the aesthetic stuff. I'll agree with that, and and I would make the argument that, that that's always been Star Wars. To me, its biggest strength has been in its um, uh, visual effects and and what is done for for that aspect of filmmaking. I've always felt that, with the exception of Empire, the story for Star Wars is always. I'm going to be very, very, very unpopular here, but I feel like it's it's pretty pedestrian and yeah. pretty basic and yeah. not that great. Um, but, but what sells it is is kind of what it does for special effects and, and the greater, the, the bigger and I story. Think it's aspect. really unified worldview. I mean, it got way too deep into the detail of that in the prequels, but the yeah. it really feels like an interesting living world that you can explore. There's just so much there that is interesting and not entirely until again the prequels. Reveal to us. So that's what I really right. like about it. Go on. Yeah. I mean, and I would also say that, I mean, I think that obviously A New Hope and Empire are the best. Empire being the best and then the New Hope. Um, Jedi is fine, but but it's never really been that great of a film to me. It, it is what it is. Um, but Phantom, I feel like, you know, there were definitely some interesting visual effects aspects and, and some interesting things that happened in 1999 for filmmaking that, that, that um, you know, Lucas did for, for digital film that hadn't been available at the time. Mm -hmm. The same is true for Attack of the Clones. And then Revenge of the Sith I actually have on DVD because it's the very first fully digitized, like, fully digital film released on DVD. So it's like a digital to digital transfer, and that was a big deal. But I don't know. I mean, 
if we can all concede that that that, that Phantom Menace was terrible, yeah. then I can at least <laughs> move on with having this premise that I the, do the, the, very super controversially okay. think that Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi. And Whoa. the reason um, I, I I think the acting I is think they're wooden. both equally bad. I think they're equally bad, but they're they're not good films. I no, mean, they're not. Well, they're they're. They're a seven. There's seven point five. You know what I mean? Like you watch it, but it's not. Uh, no, they're you... five. They're, they're four and a <laughs> half. Or five. Okay. Okay. I will concede that in the Phantom Menace, a young Simone de Rochefort thought that um, Ewan McGregor was super dreamy. Oh, yeah. Well, he yeah. was. Yeah. And that he the was. young, young Simone de Rochefort headcanoned that he did not grow a beard after that movie. He kept his hair nice and short and did not have a beard. Just FYI, um, I, I will I will say that that I'm still bothered by the fact that that Yoda was the CGI being. Oh. Yeah. yes, yeah, I'm still very bothered by that. I can be well, completely honest. I mean, a- he needed to remain a puppet because that was really bothersome to me. So I I I feel like I have to say this. Go on. about these films. So you know, no offense to anyone out there that is a parent, but I feel like George Lucas's ability to make good films i i feel like his focus very clearly shifted after he had yes. children do you know well, what i mean I, I agree and i also think that he was never really able to make good films i feel like he had good story ideas but i mean he was never a great director i mean mm-hmm. i think empire is, is is the best of all of them yeah. um but i mean howard the duck is a pretty freaking terrible movie <laughs> yeah. and i mean it's awful it's god awful george George lucas is not a good director i mean it took steven spielberg to make indiana jones indiana jones i think he has great story ideas i don't think he's a good filmmaker i think he's a great visionary Mm -hmm. i don't think he's a good filmmaker which honestly is why i'm so excited about the next series of films because jj abrams is a great director he's excited about the the source material he loves it kathleen kennedy is an amazing producer and i i'm 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 so excited i feel like we're getting fresh blood in whereas with the last trilogy I felt two things. One, I felt like Lucas was was tr- still trying to go back and correct things that he thought was wrong with the first trilogy, which you and can yeah. never I still do feel like as that's a mistake. creator. Just don't. No, I mean, I, under- I understand the need to want to go back and, and, and make changes, it's but very I human. feel like for, for for film, you should let it go and be done. Yeah. Especially when you have a classic. Well, I mean, Steven Spielberg with E.T., when it was released for the 20th anniversary in theaters in 2002, he made a few CGI changes and, and made some modifications. But he smartly, when it was released on DVD on Blue, on DVD and then on Blu-ray, included the original unaltered film there. Yeah. Uh, George Lucas still only releases, you know, when it's available on Blu-ray, it's only the, you know, terribly altered versions <sighs> where he's yep. messed his hands with it. Um, what I'm super excited about is that we are getting new, and and you saw this very much with the prequel films, where he was trying to do as much as he could with the CGI and with the digital technology and not really focusing on the story, mm-hmm. um, which made the acting wooden because they're acting to green screens. Um, yeah. And I feel like what's great is that he has these great story elements. He has these great characters. And then he really couldn't put it together in a meaningful way. But I feel like if you can take that sort of stuff with people who are passionate and love it and then are then willing to like really create it in a fantastic way, that's why I'm so excited about you know the, the next film. Simone, I feel like we haven't heard from you enough. Yes, this. and you're 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 actually. I'm very interested. This in your- isn't so much a Star Wars question as a general filmmaking question. Do you feel yeah. like we're moving? I I feel and hope that we are moving away from this kind of the the early the novelty of CGI and being able to do things digitally. I feel like I hope we are moving back towards maybe doing more practical effects. 
Yes. I mean, Mad We're, Max it, did that to incredible yes. success. Yep. Yes, I, I I agree with you. I don't know that J.J. Abrams is going to be the one who's going to do that with the Star Wars films. Oh, no, films, he is, but... though. Well, no, he's already shown that they were shooting actually on locations in real, you know, um, um, deserts. You, and, and, and that they were having real robots. You know, they brought that out during, during on Star Wars Day. Um, I think that, that it, there, there's a continuum balance. There's a pendulum that swings back and forth. And mm-hmm. I do feel like we are going back into the practical effects standpoint. That doesn't mean we get rid of digital retouching. That doesn't mean that yeah. we get rid of green screens. That Absolutely doesn't mean we not. get rid of effects. It's part of the whole process. I mean, even in Gone Girl, you know, David Venture was retouching the wig on um, uh, Rosamund Pike's head. Because yeah. he, really? Yes. Yeah. He, he goes into detail on, on the commentary about how, you know, technologies move forward all this time, but wigs are still stuck in the <laughs> 1800s. And, and, and he, he couldn't get it to look right, so he would literally go frame by frame and retouch. But that's a different skill um, versus, I think, you know, having people acting in front of a green screen. Because if you look at some of the best films historically you look at the original star wars you look at jaws you look at et you look at alien um you look at you know rick baker's work when people are actually interacting with real objects you get a better performance out of them and i do feel like i i I agree with you you know mad max was one of those where you know um miller was very clearly um trying to use as much of the actual you know scenery and experiential parts and, and 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 set up real explosions and things like that um, as opposed to doing it all in post because you get better performances from it and, mm-hmm. and it comes through on film. I don't know how long this lasts, but I do think that you're right. I think that we are going to that point where the pendulum mm-hmm. has swung back, where we're going, this uncanny valley is too much. Um, and, and George Lucas used to predict that we would have a world without actors where CGI can replace <laughs> no, them. No, that clearly, no. I mean, but he, he, but he was saying that 15 years ago, and that clearly is not going to be the, the yeah. reality. We've all rejected that. We, Final Fantasy, the, the film was a flop. You know, we, we don't, <laughs> that, that, that hasn't worked. I have complicated feelings on that film. I, I do too. You do. Yeah. yeah. As do I, because I was a big fan of the series and, and I have problems with the film and then I like parts of the film. But I'm saying it was a flop. That is an undisputed fact. It did no, not do yeah. well at the box office. Well, it's not a great movie either. And no, it's but not. It's a great movie. It, it, it's great <laughs> animation stuff, but, but, but no, precisely. But I do feel like you're right, Simone. We've, we've swung back into that other realm where we need to have more of the physicality and more of that realness because mm-hmm. I do think it comes through on the on, on the yeah. screen in a way that people resonate with. And that's one of the things people seem so excited about this new Star Wars is that it's like a return to the 70s versus what happened in 99 and 2002 and in 2004, which was not great. Well, I think I... It- I, I am a 3D professional. And I feel a little yes. bit of, um, I feel like I am honor bound to speak up and say, you know, the vast majority of films that are hits and do well have CG and visual of effects. Of course they do, of course. Them. And yeah. I don't think yeah. it'd be saying that they need to get rid of that. I think it's just not relied completely on it. And I, I think that, I, I feel like sometimes we attack the art when it is substituting, you know, the spectacle for, you know, like we do explosions and fight scenes when we need to do character development. So I think it's something that could be do, done well. What I found even today, and I don't know if normal people can see this because they don't work with color matching all day long, but, you know, I'm, I'm really struck when I watch even Re- Revenge of the Sith, which I'd love. There are only like two or three real sets in that entire movie. Right. And I do think it affects the actor's performances mm-hmm. in absolutely a very does. serious way. So, it absolutely does, because mm-hmm. you can be an Academy Award winner as, as you know, Natalie Portman went on to be, and yeah. she's a fantastic <laughs> actress. But how good can you be when you're literally having to 
imagine things or even worse, look off camera to a screen portraying what the CGI is going to look like and react to it. No matter how good you are, it's you're not going to get the same experience. Yeah. <laughs> George it's just, Lucas's it's, dialogue also doesn't help. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I just read the secret history of Star Wars and he will like one of the first sentences he writes about himself is like he's talking they can drag out these um, these interviews with them from the 70s and he's like yeah I'm a terrible writer and I'm like yeah right. you sure are George you are like, yeah. well this is my point We're it's very like, self-aware it, you know if, you, if you've got if you've got poor writing and and you've got to kind of act against this it's hard to turn out a great performance you know yeah. Hayden Christensen was was criticized and rightly so for his performance in those films I don't think actor. he's a bad actor yeah I just don't think he had much to do with it Natalie Portman yeah. is is one of the greatest actresses of her generation her. Um, without a doubt and and she I mean when she can't pull <laughs> something out yeah. that that's not her fault yeah you know, yeah. as an eight-year-old child and, and Leon the professional you know she was amazing you know she is not the problem um, so I, I, in no mean, it, just to, just to reiterate, I don't mean to demean, you know, 3D professionals at all. I don't, I don't blame the art for it. I blame yeah. the fact that sometimes when art is used incorrectly or as a crutch, when it should be used to augment, I think what's really out there and to make those things better. I don't yet think we're in a place where it can exist in a, its own space. Maybe if we have Oculus in contact lenses where you can get the real <laughs> appearance of those things around you and act within those, those elements, then that's one thing. But until then, if you're having to look off screen to get the feeling of what's happening and you're acting against, you know, mm-hmm. green screens with wooden dialogue, I just don't think it works. Which- I, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like the central problem with the prequels is George Lucas kiddifying them. Yeah. And I yes. really think you see a strong delineation between Empire and and um, Jedi, where, look, I like the Ewoks. I think the Ewoks are adorable. If I could get a giant Ewok <laughs> well, stuffed that's why animal you have all those to dogs. sleep with. Right. I love Ewoks. <laughs> Rocket looks like an Ewok. But, you know, it was clearly like the scene with Luke, with Princess Leia and the Ewok and the hat. It makes me cringe every single time. And Lucas went back through and consistently adds these... <laughs> He he kiddifies his movies. Slapstick Jar-Jar, elements. Slapstick element. Well, Jar Jar was both racist and slapstick. Yeah, yeah. He was just, just terrible bad character. By every every. Or how about even when he went back through A New Hope and redid it and added this terrible, ridiculous sound to the crate dragon. And the thing is, kids are going to be drawn to these films regardless. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kids are because they're action films and adventure films. I mean, look, one of my favorite movies when I was a little girl was Batman, uh, Tim Burns' Batman. <laughs> I made my mom take me to see that three times in the theater. My poor mother. She saw it with my dad. <gasps> oh. Told me about it. I was in the bathtub. I remember this. I was like six. She's telling me about the, the movie, and and I'm so excited. I make her take me to see it again, and then I made her take me a second time, and then a third time. So my poor mother that summer had to see Batman four times in the theater. My mom's a saint. Um, but you know we're but that's a that's a fairly adult film. You know there there are aspects yeah. of that that a six year old probably maybe you know you would argue should they see or not see. And and then I got the the um, VHS for my seven for for Christmas when I was seven. Um, <laughs> But like, you know, kids are going to be drawn to this stuff regardless. And I and I agree with you, Brie. I think by kiddifying it and trying to make it into this kind of toy franchise, on the one hand, it was great for the toy business, right? For, mm-hmm. And then that part of Lucasfilm. But on the other hand, you know, for the whole generation of, of parents who want to show this to their kids, um, it, it kind of ruined it a little bit because yeah. part of what made Star Wars great when it came out in the 70s, at least from what I've read, I wasn't alive then, 
is that it was something that people of all ages could appreciate. Yeah. And that's why it's lasted so long. And and that's kind of, to me, like we've been talking on our own kind of Facebook chat about some of our favorite Adult Swim shows. And, and there are a couple shows I love. One is uh, The Amazing Adventures of Gumball. And, and one is Clarence. And both of these shows I love. They're, they're kid shows on Cartoon Network. And I love them because they appeal to both. Like, I'm not a parent. I'm not a kid. Um, <laughs> I'm an adult. And I watch these shows and they crack me up. But yet I also look at them and go, I know kids would love this. And this, yeah. would, this would totally work. So that's sort of that sort of like that, that Simpsons balance where you can appeal to both, you know, the oh, parents yeah. and the adults on, 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 on you know, the kids and the adult, the kids and the adults on like two different levels. And that's where I feel like the, the prequels missed the mark is that they were really focused in some ways doing callbacks, you know, for the old school fans, but that wasn't really there. And then the story was almost aimed, you know, at, at like, oh, here's this new toy you can buy. It, it just yeah. didn't work for me. Well, and well, then it also got too when, deep in the oh, political ahead, stuff yeah. too. Yeah. Like nobody wants to watch the Senate debate taxes <laughs> for hours. No. Do you go, what do you guys think about then about, uh, Star Wars coming to Disney Infinity in terms of kidifying it. Like, do you think that That signifies- I love, though. Yeah, okay. it's like Clone Wars. It works. Yeah. I, Clone Wars, by yeah. the way, is a brilliant show. Yeah. Clone Wars is fantastic. Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters ever. Um, and I think, like, if I had one major criticism of Star Wars as a feminist, it would be, like, it kind of is very, very sparse on women yeah. overall. It's very sexist in a lot of it, ways. It is, to be honest. Let's just be I mean, honest. George, look, 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 yeah. Let's be honest. George Lucas has a history of being sort of sexist. Yeah. With yeah. a lot of his films. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Indiana Jones. I mean, yeah, you know, it, just, it is what it is. Yeah. But you're um, right. I mean, I think Clone Wars is, is, is great. But I feel like that is when the kidified aspect of it works. Yes. Because the aesthetic... Everything about it communicates like this is a, a kiddie world. So that's yes. why I'm excited about that. And, okay. oh, Christina, you and I need to have, like, an entire episode just talking <laughs> Disney Infinity. Yeah, because I, I love it. Oh, man. I'll be over I here playing genius. with my Skylanders. I, 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 yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. You can't... The, <laughs> I like Skylanders too, but the reason I love Infinity and the reason I think it works for this is the toy box mode is the main thing. That and is the toy true. box mode, but I think is so brilliant about it is that it truly is like a kid's toy box where you can take every all your toys out, throw them in the middle, and then play with them and do whatever the hell you want to do. And to me, that's what makes that the perfect venue for that because then I can create whatever adventures I want. And I can interact my, you know, my my Star Wars figures with my, you know, X-Men. And that's <laughs> awesome. The Avengers and, 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 you know, and Han Solo can, like, talk to – that's cool. You know, the fact that that can happen together, um, that is, I think, totally yeah, works. That is fair. I also find it very finicky and difficult to create things that are enjoyable. But I everyone has a different experience with it. And I do think it is a great tool for kids to explore their creativity and just kind of, like you said, do whatever the crap they want. But yeah, and, and they learn to code. There are coding elements in it too. There are yeah, limitations, yeah. but I feel like there there's a lot of lot to be kind of had there too. If you yeah. if you're able to if you're willing to take the time with it, if you're a kid, I think there's an amazing amount of cool stuff there. And that's why I'm not I don't have a problem with those games. I mean, plus the great thing about the Star Wars series is there's so many opportunities to make games for all levels. You know, you can do kind of your your tactical games. You can have your role playing games. You can have your you know first person sorts of games, and you can have your kid games. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think you can explore all those aspects of the universe in different ways. Whereas with the films, it's more problematic when you focus strictly on one audience. I feel like you can always um, 
maybe make something more accessible to younger people, but it's harder, like it's, it's easier to almost like, uh, like, like tone down things and create storybooks, even based on like, Mm -hmm. you know, movies to kind of explain things to kids where, whereas you can't really make things more mature. If you start with your core product being aimed at a certain age that's younger, you can't really age up. Whereas if you start with something that's maybe aimed older, you can always age down. So Simone, before we move on, I got to hear from you. I got to know. Where do you fall in the prequels? I want you on the record. Do you, do uh, yes. you like them? Do not? <laughs> I fall on. I sure enjoyed them when they came out when I was like 12. Was five. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's Shut actually a YouTube series that dubs over the prequels. It shortens them. I think they're each like 10, 20 minutes long. And they just completely redub it. And it's ridiculous. It's about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin looking for a nightclub to party in and those are my favorite versions of the sequels i i wish i could remember what they're called but they are absolutely incredible um so i I recommend those in lieu of rewatching the sequels if you or the prequels if you have to um prepare for the star wars marathon that's coming to your life that's me you're on the record i'm on the record now i'm waiting for the police to to knock on my door yeah. Now, Simone, what is your favorite Star Wars film? Okay, my favorite one would pro. Okay, this is going to show my age. It was Return of the Jedi because the Ewoks were so cute, and I was like They're ten adorable. years old yeah. when I saw it. Okay, uh, that's fine. No one's yeah. judging you. Yeah. No one's judging no, you. No, no one can judge me. I'm, I'm be, I'm so, so beyond judgment because I'm just too out there. Because too you admitted that Jedi is your favorite, so we're not going to judge you. We're just going <laughs> to no, say Godspeed. Never, never, never. I yeah, love you, those Ewoks, man. Which one do you like? Which one do Empire. you like? Empire. Come on. Empire, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Anyone that is, likes yeah. A New Hope more I, I will concede dumb. Empire yeah. is the best one. Return of the Jedi is my favorite. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. You know what? And that's totally fine. At least you recognize the, 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 the right answer as the best one. Obviously. I always know the right, right answer, cool. whether I choose it or not. <laughs> No, totally. No. I mean, no. Empire is my favorite. My favorite. But no, I mean, I, I totally, I totally understand. There, there are plenty so of movies that I like fun. for different reasons. They are. They are. And I saw Empire in the theater in 97 when I was 13 or 14. Wow. And, uh, and when they re-released it for the 20th anniversary or whatever. That's awesome. And that, that was really cool. I saw it with my cousin Allison. We were such nerds. It was like a day off of school and we went and got in line. We we're like first in line to see empire the 20th anniversary edition wow what a nerd was i but hey i just we had these old character books when i was a kid just with all these characters from the extended universe and i never read the actual extended universe books but i would just flip through this book looking at the pictures and the costumes especially forever and it just it feels like a world that has so much potential and that's why i adore star wars Love it. Thanks. All right, guys, let's end the show. Let's cool. The show. You, let's leave here. What? All right. We'll talk about what we're doing. Brianna, yeah. what are you doing this week? I'm partying with Christina freaking <gasps> Warren what? at WWDC ah! next week. We're putting yeah. together a power lunch of awesome people. Are you actually going to see each other this time? Is we it are. Gonna, we're it's going to happen. Oh, my God. Out. We're going to hang out with some very awesome people. So, yeah. Are you going to – Christina, are you coming to the Relay, like, watch the WWE – or you're actually going to be no. at the keynote, aren't you? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm actually going to be at the keynote. Yeah, well, I hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, you'll have to get up super early. So no, I not only do I have to get up super early, I think I have a hit on Fox News at like seven forty-five a.m. Oh my god! Um, oh my uh, god! Uh, um, uh, like West Coast time. So yeah, yeah. 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 
Well, good luck with that. I'm going to sleep in and then just go see it with a bunch of really (laughs) Which sounds, honestly, that sounds like a blast. Although I'm super excited to be, obviously, it's great to be in Moscone whenever you can do it. So uh, I'm also, I'm going to pop into layers for a bit and um, I'm going to be speaking at AllConf uh, this week. And then guys, next week I'm going into, uh, I'm flying to Dublin for <gasps> Inspire Flat Fest. And I, I'm telling you, it's going to be one of the greatest speeches of my entire life. I've been practicing. This isn't my standard speech that I give colleges. Uh, they've got like a four camera setup and nice. like professional people coming in to do hair and makeup. And like, I've done this a hundred times in my mind is going to be oh my God. one of the most powerful things I've ever done. So I'm very Amazing. excited Are they about recording that. it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea is to make it a viral video. So. <gasps> Fantastic. So we'll be able to like embed this and like talk about it on the show and like look at I, how hot you I look and everything. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, let's see how that goes. Oh, my God. Uh, no, it'll be it'll be really good. And I've, I've thought a lot about my message. And um, yeah, they, they said, Brianna, what can you say to really inspire people out there? And, you know, what I really tried to do is to take the, the core message of everything that's happened to me in the last yeah. year and kind of turn it into something positive. So I think everybody's going to love it. Nice. Oh my god, that's so exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm going to video hell and I'm also playing <laughs> a lot of Splatoon because yes, it is so good. fun. Oh, oh my, my god. god. I haven't I have I haven't played it, but I've seen the ads on Cartoon Network like a million it's times so and I can't good. wait to play it. You realize so we could all rocket Splatoon Fest. Yes. <gasps> yes. Okay, that might actually be worth me Although like immediately going on buying it. It won't happen for like three weeks because you have WDC and I have E3 then. Oh, and, that's fine. You that's also fine. probably have we E3. Will. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to happen. So send me your name on WDU because I want it, like I want you on my team for Splatoon. All right. So we've right. got to do that. Duly we've noted. Got to do that. What, the, what's the your song favorite weapon? The Splatoon um, theme, like from the commercials, is like in my the head. Music like, all from the that game is so good. I can't believe it. I I need to play it more. Like Courtney's been bringing it into the office and giving us sweet tastes of it. And yeah, so basically tomorrow, I think I'm just going to play Splatoon all day. What's your What's your favorite weapon? What do you favor? I Because I haven't leveled up a lot yet, I'm just using that beginner one. But on the paint roller is, it's killed me more times than I can say. So I think that I really want to try that out. It looks so much fun to just foosh, mow people down with it. What about you? Well, you can't you can't mow people down with it because like when you play at the high level, like the, the <sighs> entire game is people with ranged weapons can kill you easily with it. Yeah. Um, but it's really good for covering large amounts of mm-hmm. areas with paint. I I favor that because like as a I, I care so much about the pragmatic reality of winning the match and covering <laughs> as much paint as possible. If I have to sit You're out so competitive, the, you're like, I have to do it. Right, right. It's like, I don't want to go sit there and slaughter people because that doesn't help cover the board of paint. So I play super tactically with the with the roller. Nice. So, love it. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is us. Uh, Brianna, where can people find you online? Where can people find me? I am at the Twitter account known as Space Cat Gal. Very cool. Christina? I'm at the Twitter account known as Film underscore Girl. Excellent. And at the domain that no longer that does <gasps> not currently have anything to do, filmgirl.nyc. So please let us know what I should do at my Twitter account, how I should make a Squarespace page mm-hmm. for filmgirl.nyc. Thank you. Give us super good suggestions. And I am on the Twitter machine at doomquasar and at pixelkin.org. And 
that. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, if you like this episode, if you like our show, review us at iTunes. 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 Yes, it really helps. It really helps. Yeah, it, yeah. In all seriousness, iTunes does very much help us out. So please drop us a review if you dig the show. And that's it. Terminated. 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 Terminated.